What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hardcore Troubadour. My name is Brian Wallace. My name is Tyler Short. We're so glad uh, for y'all to be with us again um, and have another, I guess we could call this, Tyler, a, a slight detour um, because it's not about a record, but it is about, um, you, you referred to it earlier as a as a time capsule, um, which I think <laughs> is, is appropriate. What are we going to talk about today? Talking about the uh, MTV special To Hell and Back, which uh, Steve did after getting out of rehab as a... Um... I guess a promise that he had with his probation, apparently. Yeah. But performing in a prison in the state of Tennessee was one of the conditions of his year-long probation after he was released. Um, but I, I couldn't find any other info about like how MTV got involved or like what the, you know, like whose both ideas and push to make this not just like a show or a recording, but actually like a special at the time that aired yeah. on MTV, um, where that came from. Um, but yeah, we'll get into all that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. We, we talked yeah. about those or like, like how we were going to intro. And then I realized like, wait, no, no, we just immediately started talking about the thing we're going to talk about today. That's um, my bad, man. The the big thing on my head right now is I saw high viz last night. And if you're, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you're a um, somebody who knows either of us or is a hardcore kid in general, you're aware of High Viz. But if you've stumbled across, upon this podcast to listen to uh, two dorks talk about Steve Earle, you should also check out High Viz because uh, it's just music for people. Yeah, it is. I mean, clearly, I just showed, like, I showed it to my coworkers. They all like it. They all love it. Like <laughs> they got songs that could be fucking hits on the radio and i mean that in like the best possible way yeah like both both musically and lyrically just really yeah. catch people and but it's of substance as well absolutely and so tyler think... did the the live performance live up to the record okay so the live performance was amazing yeah the crowd reaction was wanting mm. why do you think and that was thing, well dude okay i i was texting uh i was texting tom about it today because I was like, yo, I saw high biz last night. And, uh, after hearing him talk about it on X to grind, I was, I gave him my opinion on it, which was, I was, I, me and Ashton and a couple of our Louisville friends were off to the right side. Also I basically saw him play a floor. Wow. Like the stage was less than a foot tall or so. So like I basically saw him play a floor. I was three or four people back from the stage on the right-hand side. And I was like, okay, well, when they start playing, like I'll probably be able to like move up yeah. and like engage with the band. Um, but uh, no one I was standing around seemed to care very much that they were there seeing this huh. or really maybe be too aware of any of the music whatsoever. Um, and everybody along the front row had beers in their hands and no one was really, I guess, trying to like knock them around at all. Mm -hmm. So for the first five or six songs, everyone just kind of watched. Yeah. And there was one guy I could spot in a, uh, Fugazi shirt, which is funny because Fugazi didn't make shirts. So, right. and yet there are many love, Fugazi shirts. Around. I love seeing a Fugazi shirt. Yeah. Um, but uh, 
there's the dude in a Fugazi shirt singing along to all the songs I was singing along to, but I was singing along to them from a few people back. And I, at just at 30 years old, I'm not barking through the crowd guy to like yell <clears> at somebody. Right. Like if, if, if the crowd moves and I happen to slide my way to the front, then I'm going to, but uh, not, not in a city other, other than my own. Like I mm. can, I'll, ma- I'll be the only mosher in Louisville. I'm fine with that. I'll be the only dude pushing up front to sing along in Louisville, but I'm not going to drive to Nashville and then act like I own the place. Um, but yeah, it was a little disappointing because then they played the, uh, the trauma bonds song and yeah. all of a sudden people kind of moved around and huh. bust around. But I was like, Oh, cool. So they're like, this is like the meme, I guess this is like the meme song. Yeah. It's a good like, song, but was it just six or seven other good songs on that record? Just oh. as just the same. Yeah, it's either the meme song or like, did you just come to the show because this showed up on like a Spotify playlist you yeah. followed and and didn't listen to the rest of the record or and I could know. definitely sense where like there was other kids who probably were like itching for the room to open up a little bit, but yeah. like didn't want to be that person because again an old crowd too like I mean there wasn't that many children at the show it was mostly mostly people in their twenties I would assume, mm-hmm. um, but yeah it was a little bit of a bummer. Because honestly, they deserved so much more. They deserved a a a fully engaged, interested crowd. Yeah, and it just felt very. Um, I don't know. It was a. It, it could have been the room though. It was like a DIY mm. spot that like maybe they don't maybe they don't like moshing and everybody knew that, but me, and and this was just a normal night. But for me, I was like wanting wanting the crowd to care and they open with my favorite song too and i'm like and i'm like yeah this is the song i like a lot and (laughs) i guess nobody else does oh that's it's disappointing but i'm i mean i'm i'm just comparing that experience to like the videos i've seen of the new york show they played last week and Uh others that i've seen and yeah it didn't have to be like a crazy pit but just movement and voices singing along and like energy towards the stage like and i know you know i I mean i'll i'll be very curious because i get to see them just a few days from the time of this recording i didn't get to go to the first new york show but i was um i know a lot of people that went tom included and um yeah it it just seemed like i i was making the assumption that like the palpable excitement that a lot of us frankly have felt on high vis like coming to play shows in the states for the first time would extend to kind of like everywhere um they were playing but you you would fucking think yeah but it's interesting i mean you know i don't i haven't been in nashville in ages and again it's like a you know we don't know anything about the venue or the you know what the what other context there might have been but that that certainly does seem to stand out from the experiences I've seen at the other shows. And yeah, if you, if you listen to this podcast, you've heard us talk about high viz before high praise for their music. And so if you've um, gotten a chance to see them either on this current tour or hopefully in the future, um, please yeah, I forgot they're playing furnace fest. So I get to see him again this summer. Yeah, that's right. That's sick. Yeah. Just a few months from now. So, um, well, yeah, man, well, I'm, I mean, I'm glad you went to the show and I'm glad they were good and they were amazing. well, but it's like, you gotta, yeah, it, it, it does. The vibe is different. If you don't feel like the crowd is like 
with you and participating in yeah. uh gum from chattanooga opened and mm. i was kind of hoping like it would like move around a little bit for them too and they just got stares and oh I, damn yeah and, and um I've i mean that might have been it dude yeah. they're awesome they're i've seen them great. get huge reactions before yeah yeah, yeah dude at, at prom court they got a fucking crazy reaction yeah so um that and that's not far from them oh man that's what what chattanooga is like yeah. two hours from nashville not even so um yeah. but yeah and um fuck i'm trying to think of what i was gonna say but yeah they they opened and oh oh it was um the uh the dude from high viz tried to like shout out gum and it was so funny because dude he he doesn't like like um he doesn't seem to uh really care that not many people are going to understand what he's saying yeah um because of how bad his uh his accent is or how good oh yeah or how good but he's uh he was talking he was like i guess he said like like give it up for gum and then no everyone just kind of stared he's like give it up for gum and (laughs) i was like oh that's so funny (laughs) and i realized i was like oh my god watching watching this band is like watching snatch for the first time it's so funny i was like yeah there's some real like you need subtitles (laughs) snatch or like the like gallagher brothers from oasis like talking you know um no it was it was very funny when we were driving home i was like damn i really needed subtitles between songs to follow what he was talking about because that's a yeah it's it's every now and then like you'll like like when you hear a british person talk like some some at least uh of the areas of britain talk it's uh it can be so hard to understand until you get the hang of understanding them and then it's and then you got (laughs) it and once you got it you got it but well, I'm glad uh, you mentioned that, Tyler, because people would funny. be. We do have a, a handful of of British listeners, and I I want to make sure we understand that it is very clear that like there is not a uniform British oh, no. accent. Where is Ivis from Leeds? Where are they from? I think. I'm not sure um, exactly. Yeah, but I think somewhere towards the north, um, which tends to get a a little bit of a more interesting or or I guess I would just say harder for Americans to decipher often than like a London accent typically. Yeah. I remember um, when Ashton was watching Love is Blind all the time that was like my favorite thing was like oh damn you can really tell how different the accents yeah. are and they're all lined up next to each other. If there's somebody from Liverpool or somebody from mm-hmm. yeah exactly. Um fuck yeah man. Well, I'm let's see two days from the time of this recording um i'm gonna see high viz um so yeah i'm this just makes me i'm more stoked for a show that i was already stoked for and um no disrespect to nashville a place i love but i i I feel i have a feeling that the the new york crowd even the second time over um is, is still gonna go off for them especially because there were the first show they played at saint vitus sold out you know well, I actually think it was booked later, but sold out very quickly. Yeah. Um, but just a, a smaller venue than where they're playing on. Um, Dude, I will say though, like Friday. before we move on, it's a perfect set list. Fuck yeah. I'm excited. Every song I wanted to hear, every single song I wanted to hear. And That's like awesome. it was one of those moments where I was like, oh damn, I know way more of these songs than I thought I did, also. Right on. Like it was very fun. It was I love incredible. That. I was I was I was the most geeked motherfucker there. Like I don't think anybody had a better time than me. Standing I was. Is, that's <laughs> that is often the case in rooms that you're in, though, Tyler. That you're off the most geeked motherfucker there. So, yeah. um, but I can, I appreciate that. Um, dude, speaking of Tennessee, 
Yeah. So, Speaking of Tennessee, say, this so yeah, we'll we'll talk a little bit about this, this special called "To Hell and Back," but I'm just, you know, had to do a little research, right, about this. So a quick background: neither Tyler nor I knew that this thing existed um, before a few months ago. It was literally something that, speaking for myself the YouTube algorithm recommended because it's like, you watch a lot of fucking Steve Earle and country Americana shit. And I was like, what is this? And then I go and like, this is an entire 46 minute MTV special that includes like a full show um, and interviews, commentary and other things. Pretty good show. also. A, a damn good show. Great set list. I read one you know person online talking like this, this should occupy the same pantheon is like Johnny Cash at Folsom prison, just in terms of like the band was on point. They sounded great. Oh yeah. Um, the, the reaction of the crowd, um, I see, you know, it's like, I was about to say the inmates, um, who, you know, all, all Steve acknowledges at one point, all did choose to be there. Like they didn't have to go see the yeah. show, but so, you know, it, it seemed like a, a very enthusiastic crowd was like, fuck i need something to kill the monotony i will go see not it. at the beginning though it's it's, yeah. it's a little scary at first yeah and, and the, you they get more and more into it he wins it. them over yeah he, he wins them over over the course of the show um but it's so a few things this is a the cold creek correctional facility which if you try to look it up now it's just the west tennessee state pen um, and it is a little bit outside of Covington, Tennessee. So then I'm like, well, there's always a random connection. Yep. This is where my mom's ex-boyfriend is currently locked up. Um, oh shit. So I'm like, yeah, you know, not, I mean, not a dude I would ever see. I, I wish him well in the way that I wish any living creature well, but I'm like, yeah, you know, there's it's probably good that he's separated from society for a bit, even though prison is bullshit. Um, so yeah, it's that's because I'd never I'd never heard it called Cold Creek um, mm -hmm. at that point, but that apparently is the is a still a commonly used name, even though they call it West Tennessee State Pen now. And so this was recorded in June of '96 and then aired in August of '96. And I'm curious, like Tyler, did you? I mean, do you know or, or did you find anything about like? What what led up to this? We know that this was part of. They mention in the in the recording that this is part of a condition of Steve's probation, um, but I don't know many other details about how this show came to be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why this. Uh, I would assume most likely, if if I just just a a person alive on the planet making an assumption, um, maybe they had a room at this prison that could facilitate something like this better yeah. than other prisons in Tennessee. And that's why it landed here. Cause it's all, yeah. it, he, he doesn't say he, he was here. No, this wasn't where he did his time. Yeah. This wasn't the one um, he was locked up in. So, yeah. Um, but I'm like, so I, that makes sense to me. I think I'm also, I'm more curious just about like how the hell did MTV get involved in this? Right. Especially considering like I mentioned to Tyler before when we were talking about this, like at this time in 1996, I was in the eighth grade and I was watching a lot of MTV. Um, I was watching fucking videos and Beavis and Butthead and fucking singled out with Jenny McCarthy and Chris Hardwick and all the other shit they were showing. <laughs> I have no recollection of this. Um, and certainly in like the other stuff that they were showing at the time, never 
to my knowledge, played Steve Earle or, or any of, you know, that type of music. I, I can't say never, but I never saw it. Right. Um, the only thing I could think is MTV used to do more music news. Yes. Then in like journalism in a way that I feel like got completely <clears throat> like thrown away when reality TV took over MTV. That's um, true. That maybe this was just something that like they did more often around that time, just did features that would only air once or twice for a week and then move yeah. on because you didn't you didn't see as much uh I mean a lot of these things were just being made for the first time, like things weren't re-ran. That's a good point. That's a really know. good point. And the, the other thing you mentioning the MTV news too. Now you got me thinking about all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Cause it had that same vibe as like, you know, Kurt Loder, like there's no, there's no yep. narrator in this documentary. Mm -hmm. It's all like Steve and then interviews and stuff like that. But it, it has the feel of that time when like, what were their name? Like Kurt Loder, Tabitha Soren. I, I'll like forget important shit about my life right now, but I can remember all of the MTV news anchors from 30 years ago. That's I only like, remember Kurt Loder. He was the I'm one a, for, he for was the one forever. And just, he fucking, I have a very vivid, I mean, this is, this is why I am, when I was born is the cusp of, I'm either the youngest of Gen X or the oldest of millennials, you know, <laughs> where I'm born. Cause I can tell, I remember where I was in my friend's living room when we found out that Kurt Cobain had died and Kurt Loder broke the news to it. We were literally fucking sitting in his living room, like watching MTV and just fucking around, you know, and blah, blah, blah. Like, here's the special. And I was like, holy shit, you know, like uh, 12 years old at the time. And like, uh, you know, that's where I got that news from. And I've said this before, not related to Steve Earle at all, but just a shout out to what MTV used to be. Yo, my fucking generation learned about safe sex and what HIV and AIDS yeah. actually were from MTV. Like, and you know, to, to make it this thing that was not some like, ooh, oogie boogie, like be homophobic thing. But like, I remember learning shit that especially being at school in the South, like we weren't getting any real type of sex education, but like learning about all that stuff, MTV taught that. Um, and it feels like at least in in some of the when I say like younger people that I've worked with, I'm not talking about hardcore kids, although they could certainly be included. I'm talking about like students I've worked with, right? Like often missing some of that shit that I just kind of thought everybody would know about like, you know, mm -hmm. fucking use a condom and shit like that. Um, but they didn't have anybody teaching them that. Um, and I, I like I look back and I'm like, yeah, I guess I wouldn't have known any better unless it was from fucking MTV. So yeah, no, I mean, I think I think the internet has offloaded a ton of responsibilities that we used to assume we're going to tell kids things. That's true. Just the fact that they have the internet used to assume like, oh, they'll figure it out. And it's like, I mean, they're not all going to figure it out. Well, they'll they'll <laughs> and they'll they'll figure a lot of things out and they'll also get a lot of, you know, misinf misinformation yeah. from that yeah, as they'll well. They'll figure it out, maybe yeah, not correctly. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But yeah, so this was, yeah, 96. So it's like, um, I feel all right. It had just come out. Um, and Steve's doing this show. And I mean, you know, Tyler, our plan for today is to just 
talk about this. And I think if you've seen it, I hope you appreciate this discussion. And if you haven't, I hope this prompts you to go take a look. It is on YouTube. It is 46 minutes long. Um, and it's not uploaded anywhere like officially that I could find. This is all like somebody, yeah. you know, and thankfully they like, you know, you can tell they like pause when the commercial's coming on or whatever and mm-hmm. then go back, but it's a, it's a decent enough recording and beyond being, you know, just a, a time capsule, this piece of media and, and a very important point in Steve's life. It's also a really fucking good show. Um, yeah. It's a great show. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, I just sat down and ate breakfast and watched it for the most part and then finished the last 10 minutes when I got home from work at three o'clock in the morning before going to see Hyvis. <laughs> and guess what? It was, I'm sure that was fucking enjoyable, even in the yeah, chunks cool. like that, right? And that probably mimics how some people watched it when it came on MTV too. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They saw it, you know, like, okay, I caught part of it then. And then I was like up late at night and they randomly reran it at three in the morning and I watched part of it then. Um, fuck yeah! Yeah, I think I consumed it in the in the intended in the intended uh, yeah format. Absolutely. So the the first thing I really want to talk about is the way that the warden pronounces the word heroin because that really took me. Um, I didn't notice that. <laughs> it's a well, you know, there's a there's like an old school African American vernacular like heron that you'll hear like from uh-huh. like the seventies and jazz musicians. This man says heron. He's like, <laughs> that's co- awesome. He he says cocaine and heron, um, and you know I think we'll that guy talk seemed a- like a real piece of shit. Oh I'm, yeah, I mean, I would have <laughs> thought he was a piece of shit even not knowing that he was a prison warden. But then once I found that out, I'm like, yeah, here you go. Um, and it was kind of clear. I mean, I know Tyler, you have some thoughts here that we'll get into, but like, wh- you know, I am very curious how much or how little sort of editorial control Steve had in this, right? Because Mm -hmm. it seemed like the powers that be, whether that was the state of Tennessee or MTV Viacom Corporation or whatever, wanted this to be like a don't do drugs PSA. Scared straight. Yeah, like a scared straight. And I I mean, hell, Mm -hmm. I wonder if like MTV got a fucking like tax break from a like or federal subsidies for doing this, you know, like that could be part of the story as well. Cause it, you can tell that Steve and some of the others involved are doing their best to try to give sort of an accurate reflection of the human condition and prison. And, you know, Steve includes some commentary about the death penalty. And uh, when they, you know, talks about Texas and they play Ellis unit one, but, then like the firm hand comes back and it's just like for a million insightful things that, you know, some of the inmates could have said what got edited into this was don't do drugs. Um, don't do drugs over and every, every one of them. Yeah. Right. Um, without any commentary on for someone who is addicted to drugs is even though in the current system, this is where you end up. Is this really helping anyone for people to end up here? If yeah, they, what if, what they have. <laughs> yeah. My, my, the, 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 the thing I had written down about this is the testimonials are definitely meant to come off in like a scared straight way. And I said, I wrote the nineties were so disappointing. Oh man. Totally. I mean, yeah. and you're like, I think again, it's important to note for, for folks that maybe don't know us well, or might be listening to this episode randomly and haven't joined us before Tyler and I, 
um, are both completely sober. Um, we identify as straight edge. We really fucking hate drugs, both of us on a personal level. And, and at the same time, recognize that like, this is some propaganda bullshit. That's not actually addressing the, yeah, the, I think the all root causes. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, a Portugal's doing it right, man. hundred percent. Like I, <laughs> this is, yeah. I'm like a drugs fucking suck and I don't want anything to do with them. And B locking somebody up for using a substance is dumb the, as hell is the stupidest, you know, most regressive fucking thing. Um, and Steve tried to, you know, I, 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 I know he knows that. And I think at the same time, he, you know, shares a couple of times, like his story, like, this is how I got clean. I wouldn't have mm -hmm. gotten clean if I hadn't gotten locked up. Yep. But he's also able to say like, everywhere I go, 70 to 80% of the inmates that are there are there for drug related charges. And, you know, there's a next question that should come with that, which is, you know, so do 70 to 80% of the people who are locked up both, both for society and for those individuals, is this making anyone safer? Is this helping anyone? Is this blah, blah, blah. Um, and you don't really get to have that conversation. It just comes across as like, it is an observation rather than well, what does that observation yeah. lead you to conclude about drug policy in the United States? You know, so yeah. I mean, when he says that in during during the set that like most of these guys are locked up for drugs, like it's like that that is like not only still happening, but like such an indictment on that era of like the war on drugs. Like it was mm -hmm. we it was clearly just a way to deal with poor people. Oh, hundred percent. Like and, there's no other, uh, no other, other reason for this shit. Right. It, Cause 30 years later, the, you know, the war goes on. Right. And like, it's not, nothing has been solved, but it's like to, to Tyler's point, that was never the intention. Like, you know, no. it's one of those things, like you could say the system is it's a, broken. It's a feature. Um, right. This no, this is a feature. Right. That system is working exactly as it was intended to. Yeah. Right. Um, it's a way to, you know, remove the poor, to deal with them. And then even if they have a relatively short sentence to sort of like tag them and disenfranchise them for life, um, yep. where there are opportunities and and participation in society that are just off limits to you forever. Um, yep. Catch you, and release program. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I, uh, dude, also like, so the first thing I wrote down for this is when he is the the first thing steve does when he says my mood ring committed suicide yes <laughs> that's that part made me laugh and then i didn't laugh for a while after that i totally agree it was such an interesting like as they're doing like kind of the setup and steve going through like security search yeah, yeah. my mood ring just committed suicide and it's just <laughs> also like never seen it make this color before <laughs> And it, it also just captures a very funny, like, you know, Steve is, Steve's clean now. And as happens a lot of time when people get clean, he's like gained some weight and he's, you know, like mm -hmm. he's got these huge sideburns and just kind oh of my like, God, dude, in chops. A, yeah. In a, in a, you know, in a, he's in a very nineties way, um, at the, at the time, but yeah, I, I was yeah. with you right there. Um, that was, yeah, that was and, a funny and, line. 
the going back to the warden too, dude. The way he casually mentions the inmates have been confined in their cells for two days. Yeah, he's like, oh, well, we just had a lockdown, so uh, it's like you know, they're a little like irritated. <laughs> Sometimes, it's like, I don't... yeah, because you can't do that to people. That's awful. Fucking John Oliver, this like this past week did like a, his whole thing was on solitary confinement mm. and like and how inhumane it is. And then I like a few days later, I start this and I'm like, oh, that's yeah, very, very funny because lo- to not you... even occur to this guy that this is the reason why they're agitated is because you kept them from being a, with each other. <laughs> I mean, that's how so much of this thrives, or right? just it's with like, anyone in general. Yeah, like how 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 actually few people have like sat back and or you know just even gone like, why the fuck do we have a prison? It is just in so many people's minds. Just well, you know, that's where the bad guys go, and like that is that very yeah. simplistic. This is the way it is, and this is the way it always has been. Worldview that you know is one just inaccurate, um, but two like just yeah you put people in inhumane conditions and then act shocked when they end up behaving in inhumane ways um so i mean if if it did do a good job of like being very clear of like prison fucking sucks you know what i mean um yeah like and even without showing any of like it didn't have to highlight any of the like overt brutality of like the warden or the guards because there was enough just in the way that they like casually spoke about the lives of people mm-hmm. like whose whose very existence they controlled from like for 24/7 um but you know we're we're throwing them a concert so you know that'll be fun for the yeah, boys so it was that, like that, a lot that, of that yeah this counts as, that... this is the activity yeah. for the week you know what i mean like that sort of thing um but I will I will say like um with, with there's one thing I wrote down and I'm like maybe it'll jog your memory and you can remember uh what I meant by this um because okay. I think because I, I basically I broke it down into like stuff I got from the in between songs mm-hmm. and then stuff I got from the songs but uh with the testimonials I thought <laughs> the use of cocaine cannot kill my pain or like the background of the testimonials was um incredibly funny even though like it's certainly not meant to be that but in the retrospect of how kind of silly this whole thing is dude in in those ways pretty funny (laughs) i picked up on that and i i also wondered was that like an intentional kind of like tongue-in-cheek editing choice or was it literally i think the song just works yeah it's like oh slide guitar like i need something in the background on this and like you know whoever was editing this on a deadline was like yep that's where it goes i don't Um, think they realized how how funny they were being yeah i i in there i doubt it i i I agree Um, agree but dude one of the things that made me so sad is the kid that was talking about being an accessory to murder he gets a life sentence just because he was there and he like is blaming himself yeah. for like using drugs or like trying to sell marijuana or whatever or buy yeah. marijuana. I can't remember which. They were which gonna of, they were gonna two. swap a shotgun for weed. Yes, and his friend and shot somebody, killed a guy, killed a guy, and because he was there, even though he didn't touch the gun, like blah blah blah, but because he was part of the transaction. In the state of Tennessee, he got a life sentence, and this is a person who he's like 20, 20 something years old, super young, has a had a wife, has kids, um, and yeah, just a a a, a whole life 
that the system threw away over for the most ludicrous reasons right um yeah like just because he's poor like that's it like yeah. is if that had happened to any kid in like the upper crust they'd be they a, they wouldn't even have yeah. got arrested i was about there are many kids in the upper crust that have been accessories to murder yeah um or you know and you know they don't even get arrested <laughs> yeah what we're saying would have been applied right which is like yeah. I, I mean, it makes me think, you know, when the other day here in New York, when, when Donald Trump was arraigned, right. And I think, you know, people were rightly pointing out, it's like, yeah, you know, he didn't get handcuffed. He didn't get fucking strip searched. He didn't get blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I'm like, yeah, you're highlighting clearly how the rich, you know, don't have to get treated that way, but rather than let's fucking strip search and handcuff and humiliate Donald Trump, why don't we just not do that to anybody? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like um, he came in and he got processed and then he left. And even if, you know, with the rare exceptions of a time when someone is truly a danger to other people, um, which exists, but is as Steve attests to in this, like the minority of the people that are locked up for things in this country. Right. Um, that's, that's how you get treated or where you got to be, you know, you can't even talk to, um, a loved one without your hands and feet bound or through glass or something like that. So yeah, yeah it's like, it, it's just, it's more proof to when we think about this, like the system that includes prisons and police can operate more. I don't even want to use the word humanely because that is kind of a, like paradoxical here, but like, you know, you think about all the situations where it's like they cops ran into this dangerous situation where someone was literally there with a gun, but it was like a, a wealth... cop got shot in Louisville the other day yeah. in, that, in that altercation. Right. Exactly. Ten, ten, 10 days out of the program is like his 10th day of being a fucking cop. Right. He runs straight into the line of fire straight... in the fucking head. Yeah. And you see stuff like, like, yeah. yeah. Or even, or just times where they're, you know, thankfully nobody has died, but where it would be like, yo, if there was ever a justified reason for a, a cop to like discharge their weapon, that would have been it, you know, like in X random situation, but they didn't and they deescalated. Whereas this thing where nobody had a weapon and blah, blah, blah. And they came in like, you know, how many times have I read about stuff like clearly like the cop lied in their report? Yeah. You'll find out it was like, 13 seconds from the time they like put the car in park to the time they were firing their weapon. Right. So there wasn't even any time to assess what is actually happening here. But like the point is they can, if it is a person that they have deemed worthy of it necessary to not kill. Yeah. They, they, they know how to like, we don't have to run in here, both guns blazing. We don't have to fucking, you know, cuff this person or like slam them into a wall or whatever. Um, so every time they do it, it's just a reminder that that is a choice. That is an intentional yeah. choice that they're making. That's not just how it works. They're choosing to do it to those people, to that person. Right. Yeah, no, I mean, dude, I love whenever, whenever I've seen this video pop up a couple of times when like the police just execute somebody, but uh, it's like a video of like four or five cops and like possibly England, like dealing with somebody with a knife. Mm hmm. And this guy's being so aggressive with them towards them with this knife and they just will not shoot this guy. They yeah. are doing everything they can to not kill this person. Yeah. Because you shouldn't want to kill somebody. That shouldn't be right. your 
your knee-jerk reaction like because and then the idea that like that can be your reaction for something yet you lock people away for witnessing a murder that they yeah didn't intend to be a part of Mm -mm. like it's just i don't know and and like dude one of the things that kept getting me in these in these testimonials was these guys are talking about their drug use and i'm like i honestly don't even see anything fucking wrong with this shit and i don't even do drugs I mean, like that's the thing. Drugs, it seems so harmless. I mean, it, it, it clearly. Maybe it's harming them. In, but... Right. In many cases, it did them harm, but it's like how much of that was harm actually coming from use of the substance or harm because use of the substance forced them into unsavory situations because in order to obtain that substance, you have to, you know, it all has to be an underground yep. black market or you've gotten arrested or, or all those poor things, right? Substances exacerbated by the fact that they have nothing better to do because they're just poor and looking for something yeah. to tune out of this fucking dumbass situation that we, none of us asked for being born. Right. Right. Like it's one thing to go like, I don't want to do this shit anymore because it's fucking making my mind and body shitty and I don't like it. And it's another thing to, for it to be like, well, I did drugs and now I'm locked up. So drugs are bad. Don't be like me, kid. Yeah. You know? And I, that's just the, there's a, there's a fucking nuance there. Like, no, like being, I can say objectively that being addicted to heroin is not a good state for a human being to be in. No. But um, I can but also say that. it's understandable for some people. <laughs> right. And I can also <laughs> say that locking said person in a cage, um, neither benefits that person nor society um no. well i should society it doesn't make anybody any safer it does benefit quite a few no. people um because a lot of people make money off of the bodies that are there um big i promise we'll talk about the show in a second um but i i think all the I time mean, we're, too, talking, about, we're talking about we are talking we are talking is, about the show this right is, this is all related to like one of the 100%. guys says uh says if you do if you do right you never have to worry about ending up here and i audibly laughed i know i mean and it's it's kind of like we we want to believe humans want to believe that even humans yeah. that are on the wrong side of it you want to believe mm-hmm. that it's like well if i do good then good things will happen to me and if i do wrong then i'll get punished for that it's the what are they it's the just world fallacy they call it yeah. um you know and and you often hear it from people who have because that's how they justify like, well, this is why I deserve to have good things and those people don't. But as as was clear from these interviews, a lot of people on the other side have internalized that, right? Because you don't want to believe like I'm locked up in here because of like all this total bullshit that's out of my control. It feels, even though it's a lie, it feels yeah. more empowering to think like, oh, I did something and now I have a consequence. At least that, at least there's logic behind that. And so you want to mm-hmm. hold on to that, even though it's actually not true. Um, yeah. And you know. it's easier to blame yourself than to blame a system. Yeah. Or to blame or to blame somebody who you never will ever see. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like the, the, the legislators or the judges who like, without a second thought, put something into motion that means that just the fact that you were standing here at this time now means, you know, the rest of your life or however X amount of time you will spend in this cage. Um, but I, it was a, it was a big thing for me coming from the South 
to New York to realize that like, um, I mean, you know, there are very poor rural parts of upstate New York, but one of the reasons I think that a lot of those counties don't often get compared to, to the, to the poor rural South in the same way is because, um, the prison industry literally holds up entire counties, meaning yeah, that, Eastern you know, Kentucky too. yeah. So you, you know, like it's a, it's a trope, even if you've never been to New York, if you've watched any number of like shows or movies, you know, people talk about like, you know, getting set upstate, you know, and that's because mm -hmm. like, well, all the prisons are upstate and a vast majority of the prisoners, most of whom are poor black and brown people um, from the city get sent upstate and a couple of things happen. One, there are entire towns there that maybe once had thriving industry, but now literally the only industry is prison. And so they're incentivizing the poor folks from those communities to want to keep the status quo because like, if you don't work at the prison, so then we, some... we've, we've talked about this on another episode before. We totally have. Yeah. Like we totally have, but then, you know, the realization too. Right. And I think we might've mentioned this, I'm sorry if it's redundant, but like, you know, they also, even though the, the, the bodies that, you know, occupy those prison cells are like totally without rights and disenfranchised, that County gets to claim them as population. Yeah, um, I remember that now. That's so sick. Yeah. So, so they get, you know, all the whatever federal or state dollars or whatever would come because it's like, well, we have these 5,000 people here. Yeah, we, need, those 5, we, need, we need to take care of our infrastructure. It's like, well, yeah. like, like yeah. 2,000 of them live in the same fucking building. Right. So. so you can see that, right? Because it's clear, like, yeah. you look at this prison in West Tennessee, man, like, you know, clearly, like, you know, the warden, the associate warden, these people are, are, are beyond help and belong at the bottom of a ditch. But I guarantee you there's a lot of COs in there that, like, it's just they've... I mean, they're locked this up is, too. They're locked up too. This is where I work. What other choice yeah. did I have? There was no other work here. So yeah. this is where I work. Um, and, you know, everyone involved gets dehumanized in one way or another. Um, I can't remember who, I think it might, it might've been fucking, uh, it might've even been Malcolm X when he was locked up, had that realization that like the guards are locked up here too. Yeah, man. And started to feel like a class solidarity with like, realizing that like oh like like recognizing that like there were people living in the poor working class who did, weren't aware that they were there yeah absolutely because they were just Fuck. doing the thing yeah it's wild dude I, i'm pretty sure we did talk about this before because i think I we talked did about uh how rogers the uh one of the oldest sitting congress people right now is a congressman from uh kentucky who's a real piece mm. of shit because he did a lot to push through um like I want to say even just like federal and even like influence like the state of Kentucky to uh, criminalize uh, opiates like mm -hmm. ahead of ahead of the, you know, the crisis as a means to um, to lock up more more poor people in eastern Kentucky. Mm -hmm. And um, he gets tons of donations from private prisons. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, it's super cool. Fuck. <laughs> It's like God it's like it. I don't know, and it's just how you get away with 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 convincing people to still vote for you just based on your stance on abortion and gay marriage or any of that shit. It's just like without just like clearly seeing how this person's just getting rich off you, man. Yeah. Like fuck off.
I mean, they keep doing it because although works. I will say, dude, speaking of judges in, in in a condition of probation being that Steve has to perform in a prison, can we bring back just silly punishments? Like, can we stop dude. sending people to prison and start giving people just silly punishments? Like, you know, fun, holding funny signs, you know, by the yeah, street. Funny signs. Dude, Clean. hardcore kids. Okay. Do you remember the ultimate Uno days? No. Did you ever partake in any of these things? Do you are you aware of this thing? Because you're I, you're older than me. The game Uno, the game Uno. What yeah. we used to do, it was like a touring thing. And if anybody, if anybody is listening to this as hardcore kids, I'm curious if they've ever talked about this on like hard lore or any of that stuff. I've been broken into that podcast yet because I know I'm just gonna listen to every episode whenever it's I do. Re- it's real damn good. Yeah, man. It seems like it's really funny. I wonder Super if they've ever talked about Uno. Somebody should somebody should talk about Uno on on a fucking on a hardcore podcast. So you used to we play a game of Uno, you get like eight or nine people together to play Uno. You come up with a punishment <laughs> and you play until one person is left. And they have to do the punishment. Oh, that's so fucking good. uh Jay Cox um, from uh, Long Island who plays in uh, mm-hmm. DOM and Nosebleed, he had to play guitar on a street in New York until he made a certain amount of money. Dude, that's so funny. Like, that is the kind of punishments the criminals or people who've broken the fucking law in hard air quotes. That's the kind of shit you should be fucking sentenced to. Like, weird, yeah. silly things. Yeah. Like, oh. that don't harm anything anyone or you but like or like at least entertaining <laughs> entertaining i mean or yeah either either do no harm and entertaining or embarrassing or, yeah or does something it's fucking funny like i had to eat dirt oh. one time and it you was did great it. Yeah. i did it i took a spoonful of dirt took- and i coughed it on my, i inhaled i ex- exhaled a cloud of dust um that same night somebody had to go to bed had we all, we all we all got back to the house we're all gonna be hanging out talking playing being being silly all night first game loser goes to bed <laughs> you just don't get to hang out anymore you, you just have don't to get to hang back. out you go straight to bed that's incredible like, like i can imagine myself like throwing the game on purpose because i'm tired and so i could pretend oh. that it was just uh oh what a shame i lost um that's just old me speaking now, dude. That is fucking. I've been involved That's in great. a lot of like funny shit, but you know, speaking though again of like, see, that is a system that makes sense because you can be like, well, I lost the game, so this is my punishment. I got to yeah. take my punishment. You know, it's not, it's not an oppressive system. This is just, this is how it is. This makes sense. Um, that is. We, pl- we played in the van one. We played in the van one time. Ultimate loser had to wear into Denny's an outfit chosen by the van. And what did they choose? Um, he had to wear his backpack the whole time. He had to wear two hats. Um, he had to wear a small hoodie over his clothes um, that he was already wearing. He had to wear different shoes. And he had to hold a skateboard by the truck whenever he walked in anywhere. So <laughs> typically he had to hold a skateboard by the truck. Specifically by the truck. You basically just made him like the coolest dude of all time. That's not a punishment. Um we used to i'm just i'm thinking about we never did it but the the non-stop dare that i just that i came so close to doing once but didn't cuz i was like this will be a felony and i i don't want to ruin my life right now would be we would stop at you know just all the filthy truck stops wherever and everywhere there's hot dogs on the rollers you know 
mm-hmm. like self-service ones. And I was like, dude, what if I just fucking took a dump and then put a turd on oh, the hot dog no. roller? Um, but find, rank, what got the best of me was just thinking about, frankly, the poor person Someone who have to clean with that like up. dealing yep. with that. But every time I'd be like, yeah, it's happening, dude. I would like point at it and then like go to the bathroom and be like, oh yeah, today's the day we're doing it. They'd be like, don't do Dude, it. the thing, the thing, the, the Uno game I could never get anybody to play was break up with your girlfriend for 30 minutes. Via <laughs> 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 text. And, and you've got to like set a timer. You can't. Can't respond for 30 minutes. <laughs> and then it could be funny if it's like at the end of the 30 minutes, they're like, okay, tell her, tell her it was the game. And then everybody's like, dude, what are you talking about? Yeah, our, our uh, the base the base player in another mistake said his house would be on fire in five. <laughs> a lot a lot can happen in thirty minutes. That that'd be thirty excruciating. Oh yeah, minutes. Um, yeah, that's fucked up. Um, yep. dude. So Steve opens the show with "I feel all right." <laughs> yeah, and he, and oh, he does. okay. The, okay, but this this brings me. That's all. All we've we've now covered anything I had written down about uh the testimonials or any of that shit but he he said something about i feel all right and i wrote i like what he said about i feel all right and i don't remember what it was i well, think it was in in one of the interview parts he talks about i feel all right and said something that i liked and enough to write it down that i liked it but didn't write down what it was he said do you remember no i mean i just nice. i thought i liked the I liked that, you know, he opened with it and that they called the special to Helen back, given that that's such a great line. And I feel all right. Mm-hmm. Like, be careful what you wish for, friend. I've been to hell. Now I'm back again. Um, I thought it was funny. He plays hardcore troubadour next and he goes, y'all don't go anywhere. And that was like a like fun, <laughs> like tongue in cheek. <laughs> I like, didn't notice. That. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> that rocks and i don't know uh yeah when we saw him over the summer he opened with i feel all right so i was immediately like yeah that's such a good opener it really that's amazing y'all don't go anywhere (laughs) i don't know i i don't think most of the crowd got it either it was like like you said early enough in the show that there wasn't much of a reaction but i think it was his attempt at being like aha clearly you can't go anywhere but like i i laughed i like Oh, I knew, that's I knew, so fucking funny, dude. I knew exactly what he was doing. Um, I mean, some of the stuff that he talked, I mean, because we're we're kind of hitting on both some of the stuff that came out in interviews in between, both with Steve and with uh, some of the other inmates, but like some of the, you know, like banter too, some really mm-hmm. interesting stuff comes out. And I think it was, after he plays devil's right hand, he talks about, um, you know, also just the, the total lack, he told it as a personal story, but like the total lack of support someone gets when they finally get released. Right. He was like, yes, they just fucking put me on the street in the middle of the night. Oh yeah. And he yeah. talks about how he, he was like a few blocks from a crack spot and he knew yeah. it. Yeah, And it would have been, and he was like, uh, <laughs> so easy to just go right back. Which again is mm-hmm. what the system wants you to do. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, thankfully, you know, had enough, you know, whatever you want to willpower, luck, whatever it was in the moment to and the fact that he was somewhere where he could call a friend and have that person come pick him up. But like 
that was that, you know what I mean? Um, and mm -hmm. how many others, even if they were like, I'm trying to like, you know, what, again, not even talking about like the ethics of drugs or anything, but like, I don't want to do that and I don't want to get locked up again, but what the fuck else do I have to do right now? I got nowhere to, I got nowhere yeah. to work. I got no money. I got nobody I can call. What am I supposed to be doing right now? You know, um, it's Friday. Let's just get high. <laughs> right. Like what the fuck else am I supposed to do? Um, it's interesting. I mean, I'm, you know, the, is a 10 song set list. All, all songs, except for the Dylan cover at the end, right. That we've talked about. Um, I'm just looking at my notes here because we've told a few of these stories, but he plays South Nashville blues um, and talks about like, you know. Yo, I will say um, that one of the things I wrote for Devil's Right Hand is definitely playing to the crowd. Oh, yeah. Um, like, um, and the more than I can do, I thought that was an interesting little like deep cut song for this set. Yeah. Because I don't, I didn't used to be crazy about this song, but I really do like this song now. Mm -hmm. Um but uh south nashville blues um this is my favorite performance of the the show he nailed it and i think this, this is this when is, he wins them over yes exactly it's the it's the exact yes. midpoint of the show and you can just like feel the fucking energy yes moving there it's with a, him it's an organic performance it's not yeah. just him playing a song like he's interacting with the crowd, they're interacting yeah. with him. The reactions like really made me feel something. Like if you're just like skimming the broad strokes or whatever, like first of all, I would definitely because Brian bringing it up, listen to I feel alright into Hardcore Troubadour because that I missed that and that is so funny that he says y'all don't go anywhere. Y'all don't go anywhere. But South Nashville Blues, that performance is is the one yeah. to watch. And the this. the band is on fire too. Oh yeah, dude. Why I is their drummer that. hitting so hard, dude? He was. Why is his drummer hitting so hard? I don't know, but it was whatever. It, it makes me curious to think about. Like you mentioned, the room before, right? Like I wonder what that room looked like on a normal day, or you know, was yeah. it used as an auditorium or a rec room or whatever? Because clearly, like you know, MTV had done the lights and the treatment and stuff like that. But it fucking it looked cool as shit. It sounded good. Um, yeah, everything sounds good. But yeah, like they're rocking and the drummer is like hitting mm -hmm. hard as it makes me think that this was a loud ass show um oh yeah and you can see too even i think it was pretty clear the the folks in the audience had been told like you can't like move away from your seat but your they, could seat, st yeah. they could stand you know what i mean and there's like mm -hmm. points where you know you start to get more of a reaction and you see people getting up out of their seats and some like, people dancing in their seats <clears throat> yeah yeah um but South Nashville blues is where it really like, and hell, maybe it's making me think of us talking about high vis earlier, you know, like once finally a few people like started doing that, like everybody yeah. kind of got involved and it was Had permission. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I mean, and in this situation too, permission, not just to react to the music, but also realizing <laughs> yeah. they weren't at least thankfully because it was fucking being recorded for MTV, you know, like, Nobody's going to beat them. Yeah. Guards weren't appearing out of nowhere and like fucking beating them back into their seat. So at least they were allowed to have like a few fleeting moments of joy. Um, he does. So after South Nashville blues, and this is, I mean, it, it's, I don't know if this is the order in which he played the songs, right? We don't know that, but um, 
the, he does LS unit one next. And I think it's, it, it is really cool and critical that he's kind of like won the crowd at that point. Cause he does, you know, an intro and talks about like dead man walking and talks about yep. like, I'm from Texas. I used to be very proud of that, but you know, Texas executed almost, almost half of the human beings that were executed in the United States in that particular year happened in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and again, there's like no room within this documentary for MTV, for Steve to like talk more about yeah, like why he's against the death penalty and like, et cetera, et cetera. But um, at least he was able to like very clearly send a message of like to the, he's yeah, on their side. <laughs> yeah, ab absolutely. And, and just, you know, um, and it's a, in addition to being like a, you know, powerful song, I also thought in the next, I, I took some notes just kind of chronologically, you know, after he plays Ellis unit one, the footage kind of in between as they're cutting back and forth is of the inmates making license plates, yeah. um, which is something that, you know, like you always knew that in a lot of States they did, mm -hmm. but again, it's sort of like the fucking speed with which those dudes were having to like work those machines and like feed in plates and get things to happen. Um, and, you know, real like prison labor being virtually like slave labor, they're either not being paid at all or making like exactly literally, literally pennies. Right. You know, and, and like free labor, um, for the state, but just the, the narrative that still, still gets thrown around. Um, and that a lot of people believe because of how strong the right wing grift is in this country, that prison is some kind of like fucking country club oh, where the yeah. people get treated well. And, you know, aside from the everyday like dehumanization and brutality, but the fact that like the jobs in their people are like getting worked to the fucking bone every mm -hmm. day. Um, hell for your benefit, friend, whether you chose to or not, like that's how, you know, we don't. We don't pay more for license plates because uh, slaves made them yep. or, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Hell, here in New York at the height of the pandemic, they had uh, they had inmates making fucking hand sanitizer, um, you know, that was available for free places. And you're kind of like, just, well, anyway. you only you only allow this to exist for free when you have to when you don't have to pay anybody to do it. Thanks. Right. <laughs> totally. But it, so it just made me think, it, you know, it's a tiny clip, but I had. Just for me, I had never seen that process before. Mm -hmm. And I remember being struck by like, dude, those dudes, again, it's like, not only are they working hard and fast, but clearly there is some fucking skill to being able to like operate those machines successfully. They are, I mean, all labor is skilled labor, but they clearly have like, they've clearly mastered something and the state is requiring them to do that but won't allow them if, if they ever get out, if the, you know, the privilege of being able to like to earn get a, a good job living. doing that or something yeah, <laughs> when they can like operate machines, yeah. you know, and, and do things like do labor that only a tiny percentage of the population. I mean, it's, can the, do. Uh, it's the, um, in California, the, they weren't allowing some of these prisoners volunteering to fight fires firefighters, to actually yes. go into being a firefighter when they got out. And I think that, I think they've lifted that. Yeah, because of so much outrage. But I mean, that was that's a ridiculous thing to a ridiculous <laughs> to even thing. have in place in the first place. 
And they would literally have, they literally, I, I remember reading some things, especially in some counties, didn't have enough firefighters, were like desperate to staff their fire departments. And the, the people who like had actually been trained and in some of the most intense situations in those wildfires that anyone would ever be in and wanted the job, you know, like weren't allowed yeah. to do it. Um, yeah, just outrageous. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Um, I uh, that was this was my first time hearing Ellis Unit One. I specifically held off hearing it mm. to have this be my first uh, experience. And right. um, what did you think? I, I thought what he said before it was fucking perfect. And uh, I wrote, I like this song, but this song, just like Billy Austin, I don't know how often I'd reach for a song, reach for this to listen to. Yeah, it doesn't make you feel good. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not feel good songs. And it makes me realize too, I have listened to a lot of the songs over time from the Dead Man Walking soundtrack, but I never actually saw the movie. Really? Um, what other songs are on there? Um, there's a lot of Love It song on there that I really used to like. Let me pull it up now. Hold on. Cause I was just, you know, I had I made a mistake earlier. Um I was like, we've talked about all these songs except the Dylan cover, but you're right. We haven't talked about LSU Unit One because um, it's on the soundtrack. There's a Springsteen's on there. Um, he does the title track. Okay. Um, Tom Waits is on there um, a couple of times. Towns Van Zant, If I Needed You, and Poncho and Lefty. There's um, Patty Smith. Ooh, the weight by the band is in it. It's a good song. What are you looking at, man? I'm looking at Dead Man Walking soundtrack on uh on Spotify. Is that incorrect? Uh -huh. No, I don't think it's incorrect. But I'm I'm looking at the track listing from Wikipedia, and it's listing different stuff. Oh, it's got like a playlist. So maybe it isn't. Maybe it isn't. Mm. Oh, because it says it's an hour and fifty five minutes long. So that's got to be wrong. Yeah, this is 45 minutes long. Hmm. Um, but it's got Springsteen, Johnny Cash, Suzanne Vega, La Love It, um, Nusrat Fatah Ali Khan from Pakistan doing uh, songs with Eddie Vedder. Tom Waits. Oh, I see it. Tracks. I see it now. I see yeah. it now. Um, I've yeah. never heard that Patti Smith song. There's some. There's some good stuff on the soundtrack, but I, I never. Um, I never saw this movie. Did you see Dead Men Walking? No, I've never seen it. It just, and it just seems, I mean, I've like, I'm not saying it's hard to say shit like this without sounding like trying to toot my horn. I've done a lot of like anti-capital punishment activism, and I've never watched this movie. And I know it's like a very powerful. Is that Susan Sarandon in the in, in this movie? Yeah, Susan it's Sarandon like and uh, Tim Robbins, radical um, comrade Susan Sarandon. That's right. I mean, it is it is apparently a pretty radical, like, you know, anti-death penalty movie um, that made an impact some places um, for what it's worth. But yeah, maybe maybe it's time for me to watch Dead Men Walking, which I'm sure would be another movie that I'm like not going to be reaching for, but would yeah. <laughs> probably enjoy um, for what it is. Dude, um, speaking of movie I enjoyed that we watched the other day, The Menu, you watched it yet? I haven't. It was good. Fucking great. <laughs> it's awesome. I you know, I have a couple of flights coming up, and I think 
I'm like, I'm in that mode. Part of it is just being a parent of a toddler right now. It's not like I'm any more busy than anyone else. It's more just mm -hmm. that, that like I can plan to be like, all right, when I fly to San Francisco, I could sleep or I could watch two movies. Let's see. How I, Dude, I watched uh, uh, on the way home from Texas, I think, or the mm -hmm. way there. I watched uh, Megan. Oh, how was Megan? <laughs> it's fucking rad, dude. It's dude, pretty funny. People I saw that saw it that I talked to said it was entertaining. Um, it is honestly so. Uh, first off, that I laughed, I died because they play. It opens with like a fake commercial that oh, really? is so like Verhoeven esque. It is so mm. funny. It is so fucking funny. Um, I died. Um, movie actually ended up having like I think a pretty decent message of sorts and um the 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 tiktok dance scene or whatever wasn't as silly as i thought it was gonna be oh interesting i did laugh really hard when it happened and when she runs all fours it is so funny but uh um when she runs on all fours uh is very funny too but it's it's dark it definitely should have been rated r i didn't realize mm. it and then when i got done uh, isaac was like yeah if it had been rated r it would have been really good and i was like oh he's it wasn't he's like no it's pg-13 i was like Oh yeah, if all the violence kind of happened off screen. Interesting. But, uh, okay. Yeah, if they had shown more more uh doll murdering people, um it would have probably been better, but it was pretty good. There's some doll murder footage like on the floor somewhere. There's going to be a like uncut version that you'll have to get your hands on at some point yeah. for all you Megan stands out there. Um let us know. The so what is it? He plays the unrepentant. Unrepentant next, and which I I would I would kill to see this track, and that irony is not lost on me. Absolutely, yeah, not at all. Um, you can tell it's like he had a combination of all right, definitely need to do a few songs off the new record. You know what I mean? And then mm -hmm. everything else, and then you know everything else was like super intentional. It's like of course he's going to do Copperhead Road, but choosing to do copperhead road and that's you know playing it at the prison like that's a fucking choice too you know yeah. what i mean like um no so many of the songs he played are very pointed oh yeah like I mean, incredibly pointed there's only like maybe like three or four songs for fun on this like even the unrepentant is a very pointed fucking song i yeah. did i did write down like yo the camera work is great that's the thing it's a it's a well and you know when we say it's a really good show i agree with you not just steve and the dukes who were fucking on point like they they really did a good job with the whole production yeah the like, presentation they, in production is amazing yeah. it's like fucking it, rad it's the kind of thing that i would have wanted to like like i mean now we have the convenience of being able to watch it on youtube um but like i would have bought this fucking tape you know oh, what yeah. i mean um I was just having a conversation the other day about how I wore out REM's tour film, which was from their, the green tour in 1989. But it was like one of, you know, at the time, like having a concert video, especially mm -hmm. when like I was too young or too poor to like go to big concerts, things like that. Like I would legit, Every, there was a, a time period like every night I watched it. I could do like every fucking move that Michael Stipe did during that show. Um, That's fucking awesome. And I was just being reminded of that because we just had the fucking, uh, what, 40th anniversary of Murmur, the first REM LP. 
I said, we just have it as if like, I'm part of a, no, you were there. I was there, you know, um, (laughs) Athens, Georgia. Um, I, I don't, um, you know, I'm not really on social media. I creep on some things through the hardcore troubadour Instagram account every once in a while. And one of the things I creep on is Michael Stipe because he lives not too far from me. And I just really got to see him one day. Um, and I've deduced where he lives because he like how he posts. I'm like, I know what neighborhood you live in. I'm gonna... You probably shouldn't say this in a public forum. Why? Because if anything ever happens to this guy, you might be a suspect. Nothing's Michael. It's me, Brian. I just want to be your friend. Okay. I think we get along. <laughs> it's cool. <laughs> What's the guy who killed John Lennon's name? Um, we talked about him recently. We talked about him because my real dad went to <laughs> high school with him. Uh, what's that guy's name? I don't know. His name was Mark David Chapman. Okay. Um, man, don't uh-huh. do do not compare <laughs> my innocent your, like your triangulation of uh, Michael Stipe's location. <laughs> he's it's public. He's putting it out there publicly. So is John Lennon. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, oh fuck! If you if not first of all, nothing bad is going to happen to Michael Stipe. Yeah, we're. But if it does, it wasn't because of me. Just know that. And if if Michael Stipe ever hears this, I just just send me a message. I want to talk. You're you're my favorite <laughs> singer of all time, um, and we're we're neighbors, and we're both bald. We could talk about that. Um, this episode has really gone a lot of places, Tyler. Yeah, it has. Um, so he does fucking Copperhead Road. Yo, why where, did they play this song so fast? They played it so goddamn fast. The keyboard the player key on the intro. So bad, it's literally the only like bad part of the whole concert is I was like, what is he doing? It sounds so bad. Like it's a combination of like, what did, what <sighs> setting is your fucking machine on right now and you definitely hit some fucking fart notes in there man like that was Mm -hmm. not you know and i wonder if they intended to do it or if it was because he like fucked up the intro like that that they were just like let's fucking blaze through this get through Um, this shit dude yeah so it's weird that one of like the you know his his number one hit anthem was kind of just a I mean, they you know they get it together later. Once it's like thirty on, seconds shorter than the yeah. recorded version. It's they, so fast. They fucking blazed it, man. Um, they blazed but, Guitar Town too. Yeah, I mean, and I also I wonder too if there was a part of it where it was like, all right, this is going to be an hour long special. How mm-hmm. many songs do we want to fit in? You know, commercial plus the other stuff plus whatever. Let's keep songs shorter. I don't know. You know, there's, yeah. this is all just conjecture, but I wonder how much of it was just like, that was how they were playing that day or how much of it was like, all right, we want to try to get, because that's pretty amazing that th- this runs 46 minutes because the other time in the hour would have been commercials, right? They squeezed 10 songs in here yeah, um, with all the interviews, other stuff like that, which was not short. So it's actually like, there's no wasted time. And some of the songs aren't long. Like, I mean, dude, fucking uh, um, South Nashville Blues is not like that short of a song, especially playing it the way because he plays it in like a more drawn out way, too. Yeah. Like, and Elsie No One's not a short song either. So, 
it's interesting. Yeah. The, the places where they took their time versus the places where they sped up, like on Copperhead road and guitar, Town. like on the most popular songs. <laughs> yeah, totally. It was just like, well, here you go. A few of y'all probably know this one. Um, but I, I appreciate Steve's. This is where before guitar town, he acknowledges like, I want to thank y'all for coming because I know it's one of the few things you had a choice about. And I appreciate yep. you being here. Um, which one was just like a little behind the scenes of like attendance wasn't mandatory, but also Steve taking another moment when he could to just acknowledge the humanity of people there. And it's like, you're all of your choice has been taken away. And this is one of the very few ones you had and you chose to be with us. So thank you. Um, and um, the, I wrote down what he said before um, they did the Dylan cover. He he did the ditches line again. He does keep it between the ditches, right? Um, which I fucking I don't know. I love. I'm gonna, it's great. No, anytime it's great. I, have to I, go I, anywhere, I laughed. I thought of you. It's great. Yeah, I, I'm every anytime I go anywhere, that's what I'm gonna say. Well, I got to keep it between the ditches. Um, I'm just trying to let everyone in my life know how folksy I am. Um, damn, what am I, I'm like losing my mind here, man. Um, I didn't mention, I'm, we'll talk about it later. I have friends I work with who listen to this. <laughs> um, I do too. Yeah. I'm like, well, I had one of those where I was like, mm, it'd probably be fine, but no, it's funny. Like I'll admit to stalking Michael Stipe, but I won't say some minor work thing that nobody would ever care about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's me. But he says, until I see you again, walk slow, drink lots of water. Sleep as much as you can and do your own time. You know what I'm saying? That's so great. Yeah. Um, Don't do somebody else's time. That's such yeah. a good, I love that. I love that line. That's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, and I, mm. I agree. Yeah. Like, beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. Yeah. Just, it, it hits on that theme again, when so very little is in your control when you've been put into prison. Um, Here's a few things. Fucking. And that's such a rad song to end on too. Yeah. I love that Dylan song period. And mm -hmm. the record, there's a recorded version of this cover on, uh, on the bonus track of the low highway. Oh, um, I didn't know that. It's a, it's a good fucking cover. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, I love, you know, I've talked about Dylan before how much of an affinity I have for him. I love this fucking song. Also, dude, they are having so much fun playing this song they really are you can tell they're having so much fun playing the song and the crowd is so into it the the yeah. the, the inmates the inmates are are dancing they're yeah they're grooving they're snapping their fingers they're clapping they're they're getting down they're into it and i don't know it was really really cool to like see this like moment of communion yes a moment of communion and like true joy and you can even you know, I think they purposefully at this point to show a few of the faces from the interviews. So yes. like you can see, mm -hmm. like you can see the kid that we know is doing life for yep. just being there. And he, he's, he's smiling. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it's not going to change his reality, but God damn it. He deserves, you know, a, a few minutes of fucking fun. And Steve and the band were able to provide that. And then I just love some of the, while the credits roll at the end, they show Steve, you know, shaking hands with everybody leaving, mm -hmm. signing autographs, and they gave away like drumsticks and shit. And how just like fucking you know, excited. At, the, at the end, he shouts out, he thanks Mark Stewart 
who's Stacy's husband. That's right. Who's playing, who's a Duke at the moment, mm-hmm. um, which I think is amazing because Mark was one of the ones who was taking him to his methadone treatments right. and whatnot, which has got to be so meaningful for him to then come into the prison and play with Steve as, right. at this moment of, you know, like Mark was one of the ones instrumental in him getting, getting well, actually well. Um, and I don't know, that's very, it was very, very cool. That's such a good point. Yeah. And like, cause yeah, this shit, not that long ago that again, we've talked about this a few times that there was a question, not only like would, would Steve's career continue you know, but also just how cathartic it must have been for Mark to be there and for them to be doing this show in a prison, but both because of what it symbolized Steve coming in as a free man and sober doing this show, but then also as like this checked off one of the fucking conditions of his probation in the eyes of the state. And at least it was something cool, but like, you know, it was like, it was something he was mandated to do, um, and he made something yeah. really, really but cool. But also, out of it. I'm curious. I, I honestly, I would love to look up if he's ever done this since. Yeah, but I mean, it, and it just—it seems like it seems like something he would just do. Like it didn't seem out of character for him to go play a prison. Which right. I do. I do want to talk. About, I do have a question for you that can maybe extend this conversation for a few more minutes at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'll I'll, I'll wait to ask you when we're done, no, when we're done I, talking, Steve. I think I think that's what's up because I'm I'm looking. I mean, we'll have to do a little more than this. But if I, you know, just look up anything about like Steve playing prison shows, it's all about this show. This um, show. He yeah. should do it again. Absolutely. And I, I get the sense. You should do, them. You should do I mean, you should do it again. These shows used to be way more common. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I, you don't I really get, hear about that shit. I get the sense that, especially a lot of the fucking privately run prisons and a mm-hmm. lot of stuff like that, like they don't even, they don't even allow this anymore yeah. as like an option for entertainment. And which, you know, again, just contributes to like the, like total dehumanization of people there. Because I feel like, especially in, in the world of country music, there are, so many iconic recordings from prison. I mean, and that's, we talked, we talked about Folsom prison. We talked, I mean, that's David Allen Coe's show in yep. the Heartworn highways doc um, and so many others. And it just feels like I can't think of in recent memory, the last time I've heard of anyone doing like, yeah, we're playing for the inmates at blah, blah, blah. You know? Yeah. You also got to wonder though, too, with <clears> like how like, atomized we are as like a culture if any if anybody would like again you say you gotta you'd have to volunteer to go do it nobody's gonna force you at gunpoint to go watch the band like there's no um you know there's no woody guthrie's anymore there's no there's no generalized like assumption of what everybody likes or like or, you know you know what i mean like we're so like individualized into our little quadrants of media and whatnot that i'm curious if there's anything that like everybody would even be down to go see you know that's like, true but like what kind, what kind of reaction like unless like beyonce or like you know like jay-z is gonna go play a prison or something like that like there's no like <clears throat> universally accepted and liked artist like there used to be yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with that. 
Like Johnny Cash um, going and playing in prison, like everybody knew who Johnny Cash was. But it well, it was also clear there were a lot of people at this show that didn't know who the yeah, hell Steve sure. Earl was. Um, but I mean, maybe this was the. And I he, mean, this, we're also looking at the tail end of things like this happening. That's true, uh, you know, and how he won the crowd. Uh, he, it was just clear that there were a lot of people who were there. It was like, yeah, it's an opportunity to fucking be go out here. of my cell and see a show. I'm gonna go. I don't know who the fuck this is. I don't like country music. I'm going. Because um, I d- I don't think that the people in power who would be deciding whether or not one of these events can happen would have any concern over that at all. Yeah. Or well, not no, I'm, I'm mean more like of it. like the artist, the artist choice yeah. of like, yeah, do I want to go fair. play in front of a bunch of people <clears throat> who might not even know who I am. I, uh, Mike Birbiglia has a great joke, uh, talking about going over into a USO tours mm-hmm. to, uh, people in the military who'd been gone long enough to not know that he's not famous. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> And like he's like signing autographs to people and they're like, where do I know you from? And he's like, I don't know if you're from Shrewsbury. <laughs> <laughs> that's really like, funny. Um, so like that's that's like another thing where like, I mean, it's it's it definitely this 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 should be a thing. It should be a fucking thing again, because if we're gonna lock these people away and dehumanize them, at least we should every now and then have people go and make them feel special. <laughs> because yeah. nobody else is. Fuck yeah, man shit what was your uh what was your question man what else do you want to talk about on the on the subject of things like this being a thing this was like a thing in movies all the time like blues brothers and airheads airheads i'm trying to think i'm trying to think of other ones but dude the 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 prison concert in airheads is so badass dude when fucking steve buscemi was like humping the bass (laughs) rex so good rex and then just the way that when he stops that he kind of (laughs) like like yeah. pulls, pulls back around like so calmly i just it's so fucking with, good it, it, me and the dudes in perfect world talk about airheads nonstop, and like as brendan fraser has been getting this like well well deserved you yes. know recognition for the whale and kind of like that you know his career I, every time though they're always like you know brendan fraser from the mummy and encino man and i get so mad and i'm like and fucking airheads you're not airheads is about his airheads. best movie dude airheads is excellent he's amazing in it he is so good in airheads he's so good he pulls it like you would think that he always had long hair and was a metal dude he like pulls it off yeah. so naturally um dude the white zombie song in there so sick the scene oh, yeah. where the scene where Chris Farley is the cop and goes in like looking at the show, um, yep. pulls that dude's nipple ring out. Mm-hmm. That's probably the, that's probably the best white zombie song. Um, Lemmy's appearance. Yeah. When he says I was editor of the score and I still all the time use the like, um, whose side did you take in the uh, David Lee Roth Van Halen split? <laughs> Roth or Van Halen? Van Halen. He's a cop. <laughs> <laughs> so good great question lemmy is god dude that um, part's so good too dude what a fucking perfect movie yeah dude oh. i love it um but yeah like it just was just common that like yeah you're you're so right like there were just always concerts at prisons yeah like the and, dude i raised on the blues brothers so yeah. like i i remember that shit vividly like i still listen one of the cds in my backpack in high school was the blues brothers soundtrack i listened to it like on like an every other day basis. I love it. But some of those songs are, are canon for me. Well, let me tell you what, as we're getting ready for our next episode, we're going to do some more research into fucking prison concerts and see what's happening here, because this is beyond just to hell and back. 
this awesome show that again, if you have not watched it, fucking put to hell and back Steve Earl into YouTube. It is well worth your time. Um, and you can watch it in as many snippets as you want and still get the full experience. Yes. Um, it's just, yeah, it's bringing up something that both from like a just human joy perspective and just a like cultural perspective was so deeply, it seems like from like the fifties through the nineties, deeply embedded in like American, like popular music culture that doesn't just lost now, just lost now. So, and now I'm, I'm genuinely like curious about like what the fuck happened and, you know, want to like try to learn. I think, I think the private prison that. thing is like the most like logical reason for it. Probably that's been the biggest mm. industrial change since the nineties, but, right. uh, but yeah, I'm curious also on my idea of just the cultural zeitgeist, not being the same as it once was where we were, we were dependent on record labels and the radio to like mm. keep us on a, on a homogeneous level of distribution of knowing what was hot at the moment. Yeah. So now I'm... we, uh, we all get to pick our own, choose our own adventure as far as, what music we like or whether we don't like music at all, like a freak like Jeff Bezos or some shit. <laughs> right. That's for humans. Humans listen to music. Yeah. Humans listen to music. That. He doesn't need that. <laughs> Him and Zuckerberg don't need that. Um, fuck yeah, man. Well, Hey Tyler, always a pleasure. Dude. I've been looking forward to this all, all fucking week. I missed you. I missed you too, brother. Um, thank you. Our friends as always for listening. This has been hardcore troubadour. Peace.